Welcome back to SnackCast. How's it going? So we normally would not dive from one book review right into another, um, but it was a few months ago I learned about this guy and this book, and it was under pre-order at the time. So I don't remember the exact date, but I think it was maybe mid-November this thing finally came out, and um, I was pretty excited about it. I shared it with Kevin, um, the premise of the book, and uh, he was like, absolutely, you know, let's get a couple copies as soon as they're available. So the book we're talking about is called Brain Energy. Um, to read the cover to you, a revolutionary breakthrough in understanding mental health and improving treatment for anxiety depression, OCD, PTSD, and more. Authored by Christopher M. Palmer, M.D. Chris Palmer. So, um, to, to kind of, I guess, start it out, who's Chris Palmer, right? Well, I'm um, asking you. Yeah, well, his little uh, leaflet over here. Um, Chris Chris Palmer, a Harvard psychiatrist and researcher, director of the Department of Postgraduate and Continuing Education at McLean Hospital, and an assistant professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. Um, it kind of goes on to talk about, you know, he still operates a, a – um, a traditional practice uh, along with his work at Harvard and McLean hospital. Um, so <clears throat> by all intents and purposes, sounds like a pretty accomplished dude. Um, I've never met him personally. I do follow him on Twitter. Um, Interesting takes on Twitter. Oh, for sure. And a lot of it relates to this. You know, he's um, a, a very inter interesting. We should probably put his Twitter handle up, I guess. Maybe we'll do it next time. Um, but so Kevin and I are, are we read the intro in chapter one. We're diving into the book and we wanted to bring. Yeah, a you know, cast book review, you know, uh, mental, mental, mental illness in this country is, you know, uh, is exploding. Uh, he gets right into that right in the gate. Um, said half of all people um, at some point in time uh, in the United States will develop a mental disorder, whether that's anxiety or depression or yep. OCD or ADHD. Um, um, yeah. And then he, he just talks about like, you know, how it's a growing epidemic, um, you know, ADHD specifically in children, 41% increase uh, between 2003 and 2012. <laughs> Uh, and he starts talking about that. There's there's multiple camps of people and what they believe. You know, are we getting better at diagnosing? Um, you know, are right. we are we you know push pushing you know pharmaceuticals on people? Uh, you know, so that's that's kind of where we're at with the the book. Um, yeah, he it was really interesting. You know, to your point, um, you know, he said the first category relies on the belief that the statistics are wrong. Right. And these people go, it's the pharmaceutical companies and um, it's laziness. People today don't want to work at anything. It's this new generation of kids. And then the, the second category is the people that believe the numbers. 
right? Right. And they go, oh, it's a good thing. We're getting a broader understanding. Um, no, it's society. It's the introduction of technology and screens and being more isolated. It's laziness. Um, it's these new, these kids these days, you know? Well, that's the other group. That's the group right. that don't believe the numbers. Right. Um, and, and then the group that does believe the numbers, it's, it's toxins, chemicals, fake foods, blah, blah, blah. So he goes on to say that all of this could be true and, and it's all overlapping, right? You know, I, he mentions in here as well that, that, you know, even the diseases are overlapping, right? Sure. I mean, you have, you have these, you break a leg and you understand you got a broken leg. There's nobody's arguing your broken leg. We know nothing about the brain. To the point, you know, ADHD, how does it differ from ODD? How does it differ from autism? How does it differ? I mean, what is going on? Well, like, it seems like we just throw diagnosis out there and there's just a tremendous amount of overlap. Uh, sure, sure. And I, I would be in the camp that he points out in the book that um, I think in large part, big pharma um, does play a role. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of research lately, maybe more me than you into, um, so, some of the natural therapies that are basically banned in this country, um, or, or, or not pushed enough. I mean, things like meditation, things like sure getting out in nature. I mean, it's, yeah, the interesting part is I think post COVID we're starting to, uh, you know, he's, he basically pointed out that since COVID, you know, mental illness is up 40%, right? But I think that's starting to really start to change the narrative on healthcare, And I think that this is going to be one of those areas that ultimately benefits from everything shouldn't be a pharmaceutical. You know, if, right. if you're not addressing your diet, you're not addressing your uh, your mental, I don't want to call it mental stability, but the things that you do for mental stability, you go out well, and play. The you great cholesterol out, myth closed yeah. with that, right? That. It has to be well-rounded. Um, you have to focus on, like you said, play, get in the dirt, go in the sun, have healthy relationships. If your relationships are not healthy, work to improve them. And, and I, I don't know if it was here. Or it was actually it wasn't here. It was actually I uh, was listening to a podcast from Dr. Ken Berry uh, yesterday. And on that podcast, he mentions, you know, all of the things that are at play with doctors, you know, American consumer is very much in the belief that when I walk into your office and I get and I pay you, that you're going to have uh, an immediate response to me, that mm -hmm. I want you to solve my problem for me right. so that doctors really the only tool in their arsenal. When you think about it, what's what's other tools that doctors have in the arsenal? Well, I think they got more. But a lot of them only believe that their prescription pad is the only tool they got. Yeah, certainly a first option in a lot of cases. <clears throat> so know. this is not a small scenario by any stretch. They talked about the price we pay. They said by 2030, mental health will be a $6 trillion business. Yeah, and I know it comes from the same sentence. I actually highlighted the same, but that's up from $2.5 in 2010. 
So that's a, almost a threefold increase. Almost a threefold, in, in right? Twenty years. And then he says, you know, while while the the financial cost is huge, the the mental cost uh, to families and to relationships is even worse. I mean, it's it, mental illness destroys lives and. Everything you know, from depression to anxiety to ADHD, I mean, suicide. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. You know, it it's kind of a, can I say it's been depressing to, to read the intro into this book? <laughs> you know, because I don't I don't focus a lot of my attention on mental illness, you know, um, but kind of learning what people really do deal with. And, you know, one of the things that struck me, he said, um, he said, some people, they don't think of their symptoms as symptoms. They think their suffering is just a natural part of existence. And I'm like, God, man, that hurts. Right. You know, it, this is just this is what I've come. This is this is what is, has to happen to me. Yeah. I have to accept that I'm just ADHD or I'm just ODD or I'm just OCD or I'm just depressed. That's right. and, that's and just I guess you bring up a great point there. Or at least you did in my mind that this book does. It crosses all kinds of mental disorders, um, autism, PTSD, OCD, ADHD. I don't even know them all, but um, but it's not. I think my brain tends to want to speak to depression because um, it's I, I guess probably the more prevalent one, you know, that I don't have statistics to say that if you were to rank the number of people that depression is number one, I'm guessing it is. Yeah. I would, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of anxiety and depression probably hand in hand. Yeah. You know, there, you know, we've, we've become a society that, you know, you, you got to take a Xanax before you can go out in the public. Yeah. You know, uh, so he's painting a really interesting picture, right? And then he starts to wrap up with, in the end of this chapter, with uh, what's kind of being done. And one of the quotes that I had was uh, Dr. Tom Insel, the former director of the National Institute of Mental, Mental Health, uh, had to say in 2017 after leaving the National Institute of Mental Health. He said, I spent 13 years at the NIMH really pushing the neuroscience and genetics of mental disorders. And when I look on, back on that, I realize, well, I think I succeeded at getting a lot of really cool papers published by cool scientists at fairly large costs, I think $20 billion. I don't think we move the needle in reducing suicide, reducing hospitalizations, improving recovery for tens of millions of people who have mental illness and you know well welcome to the world of uh, medicine in america right richest nation in the world and we spend trillions and trillions of dollars and we don't move the needle and at don't all move the needle um so and, and that's mental part, health be part of the case he's making right is um he actually references a study where they followed um i don't remember how 400 people i think it was and they only saw long-term improvement long story short in 10% of those people. Um, he, he said, you know, he's basically making the case. It, it, he said a lot of people wouldn't want this said out loud because it, it may convince someone not to seek treatment. And he's adamant that if you're dealing with something, seek treatment, go, go get some help. But the fact of the matter is that a lot of times the help people are getting isn't moving the needle to use your phrase. He, um, you know, and he said that can often lead to if people are told that our treatments work and then those people don't get better. Some will blame the treatment 
or the professionals, but others will blame themselves. That's, That's a dark hole. That is a dark hole as well. Yeah. And again, I think it goes back to your, your comment earlier is that that's just me and I just I just got to deal with this. Right. Right. You know. Um, so I'm really excited to dig into this book. Um, it's definitely an area of interest or, or subject matter I don't have any expertise in. And, and I hope that, you know, by what we're doing and books like this and everything else, that it's it's not – you know, it's not the black sheep of the family anymore. I mean, this is mental illness used to be, oh, you know, I mean, when you're talking about half, half of, of Americans will develop a mental illness at some point in their lives. Right. I mean, look over at your neighbor, you know? Yeah, he's posted on social media and he looks like he's got the world together. It's Jerry. <laughs> Jerry's the 50% in the room. But, you know, <laughs> the reality is that most families... Don't have it all together, and right. they're 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 breaking apart behind the scenes, and but that's not that's not the image we're supposed to display. Yeah, his yeah. closing mini paragraph of chapter one is the fact is in order to make real progress, we have to be able to answer the question, what causes mental illness, and up until now we have failed. That's a good segue into chapter two. Yeah. It's a good segue. So we'll cover chapter two in the next episode. um, And look forward to digging into Mr. Palmer, Dr. Palmer's Dr. Palmer. Doctor? Doctor. Doctor. (laughs) All right. Thanks for tuning in. Questions, comments, concerns. Hit us at snackcast at yes.fit. Stay moving. See ya.